Hey, welcome to the Recruiting Trail. I'm your host, Andrew Nimick of the Oregonian and Oregon Live, bringing you the latest in recruiting for the Oregon Ducks, Oregon State Beavers, and Oregon High School Athletics. It's the fall. Football season has begun, and because of that, when we talk recruiting, we will every week take a larger look at whoever is the home team between the Oregon Ducks and Oregon State Beavers, unless, of course, they are both on the road or they are both home on the same weekend. And the reason is quite simple. If you're on the road, you can't host official visits or unofficial visits. You're on the road. If you're the home team, obviously you can have a number of prospects in town. So it makes a lot of sense that at least at some point during each week's podcast, we have to talk about who is visiting the Oregon Ducks or Oregon State Beavers, again, depending on who is the home team. This week, the Oregon State Beavers are hosting their home opener, and they're hosting a number of elite prospects, not only in the class of 2022, but also 2023 and 2024. And as seems to be the case more so with the Beavers even than the Ducks, they do a lot of focusing on Oregon high school prospects. Oregon is not the deepest state for high-quality, high-caliber, all-American-level talent. Every couple years, there's a big-time player or two, but there's not consistently. It's not California. It's not Texas. It's not Florida or Ohio. There aren't 10 to 15 elite prospects every year, and because of the way Oregon's recruiting, they're not going after a huge number of Oregon prospects, taking one or two every year. Oregon State's able to go a little bit deeper down that list because the state of Oregon does produce every year five, six, seven, three-star or better prospects. And so a lot of guys that potentially fit the mold better for Oregon State, they do a great job of finding these guys early and often. And because of that, you will see guys from 2023 and 2024 in Oregon on campus in Corvallis this weekend. We'll jump right into that before dissecting the Beavers recruiting class as a whole, what's left for the Beavers and and who they could be targeting the rest of the way. But first, the visitors for Oregon State, they are pretty close to being full. They've got 12 commitments. It's not completely full, but they're probably only going to take between 15 and 17 more. And if I were a betting man, I think they're probably more likely to take 15 than they are 17. 16 is obviously that middle number, but I do think they're going to sign another small class. And the reason is they've done well with the transfer portal. They've had a chance to see these guys, obviously not only in spring workouts over the last couple of years and, and, you know, obviously a shortened season last year, but now that they've been through fall camp and they've been through another cycle of bringing in transfer portal guys, they're largely working out. Things are going well with those players. And because of that, if you can bring in, as they have, former four-star talents, guys like Tyjon Lindsay, Tristan Jebbia, Avery Roberts, all impactful players. Now, you can debate whether or not they've been a lead or all conference in, in the case of Avery Roberts, certainly there, there's no debate. He he's one of the best line, inside linebackers in the PAC 12 conference, but they're certainly depth pieces. And in some cases they've been wildly impactful. So, you know, Tristan Jebby, obviously being a starter at some point last season and, and potentially competing for that starting job here this year, Sam Neuer's a transfer. He started the first game chance. Nolan was the number one junior college uh, quarterback in the country. When he came out another transfer, although he's not a transfer portal, player. Uh, we're seeing a lot of impactful transfers, transfers and because of that and kinds of talent they're able to lure through the transfer portal, it just makes sense to leave spots available and go after those players. So not a lot of 2022 spots left. Again, I will go over that in more detail a little later in the episode. And th- so when we start talking about these class of 2022 prospects, these are guys they're taking a look at, but aren't necessarily uh, players that they are going to land or even necessarily offer and heavily pursue three-star wide receiver Miles Williams out of Clackamas High School talented player he has an offer from the Beavers as well as Eastern Washington or Nevada I'm not sure how committable that offer is at this point I like Miles Williams he's a talented player again a Clackamas High School uh, uh you know senior he's talented he he checks some boxes but I'm not a hundred percent sure you look at those offers from Eastern Washington and Nevada I'm not sure he's a bona fide slam dunk power five conference kid at this point. He may very well be. It's going to come down to senior film for him. Oregon State going to continue to work on that relationship this weekend, hosting him for a visit. But in terms of a committable offer, I think it's going to depend on how he 
performs in this senior year. And, and if he performs well, and he very well could, Clackamas is a very good team and he's a talented player, we could see his uh, offer sheet double or even triple from the three he has right now. The other 2022 prospect visiting campus is the 197 linebacker in the country, Amir Brown out of Carmel, California. I think, and I may be speaking out of turn here, but I think he might potentially be of a, a more of a preferred walk-on option. Uh, he is hearing from a number of Mountain West and Pac-12 schools, but he does not have a scholarship offer yet. And until a guy has a scholarship offer in the FCS or even the group of five schools, there's no real reason for the Power Five to offer a scholarship. They don't have to. They could potentially say, hey, we've got the best opportunity for, you know, that you could pay for uh, in the Pac-12. You want to pay to prove you're a player, you can come here, pay pay tuition, and be a preferred walk-on. So until he gets an offer from a, a Big Sky program, from a Mountain West program, I don't see Oregon State pulling the trigger. Amir Brown is a talented piece. If you can bring in that body and develop him, uh, that's intriguing to me for certain. But... Again, because he has no offers, there's nothing to compete against right now, forcing Oregon State's hand to pull the trigger. Where things get a little more interesting, frankly, is the class of 2023 and 2024. As I mentioned, Oregon State has 12 commitments, potentially out of 15 that they're going to take. So 80% of their class might be done at this point. So they're able to focus on the class of 2023, host some of these kids early and build that relationship when they're younger. And, and that is an intriguing piece when you put your class together early. It'll allows the, the staff to turn the page and maybe get a four-month head start, three, four, five, six-month head start on the rest of the competitors for 2023 prospects. So getting these kids on campus, particularly because they haven't taken a lot of visits to games. There was a, there was a shutdown of 16 months that the NCAA mandated kids couldn't visit for, for games. So these kids are getting a look at really potentially their first or second college football game as an unofficial visitor with these visits. So it's a, it's a good opportunity again to get in early. The list starts three star safety, Joseph Swen. He's, uh, the number 49 player at his position in the country, the number 49 safety in the country. He's already got an offer or offers from Arizona State and Florida State. So a really talented player. I do expect his stock to rise. He's got those early offers. Again, He's only a three-star, but he's got those offers from Arizona State and Florida State really early. Oregon State, the, the key here is he's a California kid. And Oregon State, frankly, if they could pick one state they'd like to do better, and they do a nice job in Oregon. They've done a pretty good job competing for names in Washington. They've done a good job you know, in Texas lately, and, and we'll touch on that again later in the show with Damian Martinez and some of the things he's already doing in his senior season as a running back in the state of Texas. But They've done a pretty good job in a number of states. California's been the state where they haven't necessarily made as big an impact. There's a lot of people fighting for the top talent in that state, and they don't have their hooks in in some of the biggest programs yet. They're working to change that, but as of right now, that's an area they'd like to improve. So a guy like Joseph Swen, getting him on campus early, building that relationship is nice for the inroads in California. Again, if you're looking bigger picture. Uh, I've mentioned this on social media. I have not talked about it a ton in podcast form, but Coach Brian Wozniak, the tight end coach at Oregon State, might be their best coach. And I, and I think he might be the best tight end coach in the Pac-12 conference. If he's not, he's one of the top two or three, and he's one of the top 10 or 15 rising tight ends coaches in the country. He does a phenomenal job. Look no further than the job he's done early with Luke Musgrave, Tegan Quatoriano, Jake Overman is, is potentially a really talented piece. He's a California kid who committed to Oregon State over an offer, a very committable offer from the Washington Huskies. They wanted him. Oregon State just flat out beat them for him. You look at Ryan Otten. Ryan Otten was the number four five tight end in the nation this recruiting cycle. He chose Washington over Oregon State, but his brother goes there. His brother projects as a potential second, third round NFL draft pick. He's had a ton of success there. And so it seemed like an obvious slam dunk that Ryan Otten would follow his brother Cade Otten to Seattle. And yet it sounds very much like Ryan Otten struggled with that decision. Oregon State made it very close because of the job that Brian Wozniak has done as a recruiter and has done as a developer of talent. Uh, that goes to tell you just how good a job he's doing. So it should be no surprise that Oregon State has a number of talented tight ends visiting campus this weekend. We can, we can squabble over whether some of these guys are going to end up being tight ends or 
receivers at the next level, but it does seem like some of these guys are almost certain to be tight ends. And one of those is Cooper Jensen out of Washington. He's a three-star tight end, but he's the number 24 tight end in the country. He's already got offers from Arizona, Oregon State, and Tennessee. Uh, this is a kid who, yes, he's outside the top 20 tight ends in the country, but he's already got SEC interest. He's already got Pac-12 interest. And I do think he ends up being a top 20 tight end in the country when it's all said and done. Again, a kid out of Washington. Oregon State has done a good job recruiting the state of Washington. That's probably not a huge surprise given that Jonathan Smith's last stop was Washington and the Washington Huskies. That being said, he's done a nice job of maintaining those relationships and getting some key players out of the state of Washington. A really nice job uh, by by him. Three-star tight end Dorian Thomas, another big name, the number eight player in Washington for the class of 2023, the number 19 tight end in the country. Early offers from Florida Atlantic, Nevada, and Oregon State, but hearing from a number of Pac-12 programs, another player who I expect to have a bunch of offers before it's all said and done, they are going to be toured potentially by an Oregon State commit because three-star tight end Jack Velling out of Seattle, Washington is going to be on campus. It's an unofficial visit for him. He's already committed to the Beavers, a class of 2022 prospect. He's making the trek down. Uh, he had offers from Arizona State, Michigan, Minnesota, Utah, and others. He is only listed as the number 53 tight end in the country, but the offer sheet speaks to a better player. And, and there are folks up in Washington who think that's an absolute steal for the Beavers that if you were just in a vacuum for their position, looking at the best players in the class, Jack Belling might be a top three or four player in this class. Again, in terms of what his ceiling could be at his position, a very talented, very talented player. So he'll be able to tour Dorian Thomas and Cooper Jensen. And if you want, you know, ideally you want your commits, especially commits at the position, touring around the guys that are younger, that are looking at your program. Here's why I chose Oregon State. Here's what I'm seeing on the field potentially that I fit, that you guys could fit with me, especially at Oregon State where they have two and sometimes three tight ends on the field at a time. There's not that fight for playing time, or it's not as severe a fight for playing time as a lot of college football programs that like to spread you out and use either no tight ends in their base packages or just one tight end. Oregon State uses two a lot of the time, so that gives double the playing time opportunities, and because of that, uh, there's, again, a less fight, and it potentially builds more camaraderie on the recruiting trail between uh, a guy like Jack Velling and Cooper Jensen and Dorian Thomas, who he could potentially be hosting. Three-star cornerback Demarcus Houston. He's fr- he's the number two player in Oregon for the class of 2023. He's fresh off a visit to Oregon. He went to Oregon last weekend. He's at Oregon State this weekend. That is just the beginning of his busy schedule. He's going to probably check out UCLA. He's visiting Notre Dame for their game against USC. He's also potentially going to visit Washington, Washington State and others. DeMarcus Houston is a guy who on September 1st, that was the first day that 2023 prospects could hear directly from college coaches. That's a day that was just an awakening for him. For a lot of kids, that day was was humbling because they didn't necessarily hear from the programs they would have liked to. DeMarcus Houston was the other way. His only offer, 6'2 corner, 185 pounds, his only offers to Oregon State. But he was a busy man on September 1st. He heard from a number of schools and he is going to be a heavily, heavily recruited player. And not only is he talented, you know, as a three-star player, number two player in Oregon, but also he's the prototypical corner now in modern football. 6'2", 185, you know, good length, moves well, gets out of his breaks well, good hips. He's a talented player. He's a player who could end up being a four-star prospect. And anytime you have that length, in, in modern college football, you fit a lot of different defensive schemes. So a lot of programs are going to be coming after him. Oregon State's hosted him before. They would love to have him. If we're talking top priorities, West Albany High School corner DeMarcus Houston is probably Oregon State's number one early priority in 2023. They like long corners. They have a need at corner. He's an in-state kid. He's not from the Portland area. He's from Albany, Oregon. So you have some ties there potentially where you feel like you have inroads with him. You were his first offer. So I think DeMarcus Houston is a guy to watch. I don't expect him to commit right away. Again, busy fall for him visiting schools, but certainly, certainly a player to keep an eye on in the future because he is going to be a name we hear about from Oregon State a lot. They sent him multiple edits since September 1st with him in a Beavers uniform, wishing him good luck in his games. Oregon State's made him a priority, very obvious, and it's good to see that he's going to be there this weekend. 
another key player uh, in from the state of Oregon, three-star linebacker athlete Richie Anderson, the number four prospect in Oregon. He could play all over the place. Six foot four, two hundred thirty-pound athlete. He could be a tight end. He could be an outside linebacker. He could be a defensive end. You could even potentially play him at middle linebacker, depending on how his body develops. And we're kind of just scratching the surface on how good Richie Anderson could be. That Tualatin team is very, very talented. There are folks who think they're the favorites to win the state title. Oregon State already has landed in the last couple of years a Tualatin linebacker in John Miller. So you've got some inroads there with that Tualatin football program. Richie Anderson still looking for his first major offer, but a guy to keep an eye on. He's added about 15 to 20 pounds in this COVID stretch of, you know, 18 months or whatever since we've had normal football. And he certainly looks like a player who could pop. And and that's the thing about this 2023 class in Oregon. There's not a lot of proven guys right now. But there are a number of guys who could pop and be big time. So Richie Anderson, another player to keep an eye on. Three-star athlete Drew Rodriguez out of Sprague High School, the number five prospect in Oregon in the class of 2023. Oregon State doing a nice job getting these Oregon prospects on campus together, potentially building a relationship. He might be a wide receiver. He might be a DB, six foot two, 195 pounds, versatile player. I like him. He's talented. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly where he's going to end up, if he's going to end up being a power five guy or a group of five guy, but he's very talented. And and again, it's just important that consistently for Oregon state, you want to get two through 11 from the state of Oregon, visiting your campus pretty consistently a couple years ahead of time. Cause you don't know who's going to pop. You don't know if the number 10 guy in Oregon, when he's a sophomore is going to blow up and suddenly be the number one or number two player in Oregon. So Oregon state really does a nice job of identifying and building relationships with those Oregon prospects from two to 11 really early. And even really beyond that, and you're seeing that in this list. Three-star running back Josiah Davis at a North Salem High School, a 5A running back. It's still very much yet to be determined uh, where he will go. Doesn't have an offer yet. He might be an FCS kid. He might be a group of five player. He, he might even be a power five conference player. It's going to depend on how he develops. He's only just now starting his junior year in high school. Should put up absolutely monster numbers in 5A at North Salem. If he doesn't, that's going to be a red flag. And that's going to be a sign that maybe he's more of an FCS kid because 5A right now is not super competitive in the state of Oregon. And he is very, very talented. One of the top 10 players in the state of Oregon, according to 24-7 Sports. So look for uh, Josiah Davis to be yet another guy to kind of keep an eye on. I don't know if he's going to get, certainly this weekend, I wouldn't expect him to get that offer from the Beavers. But if he has a huge junior year, definitely, again, another player to watch. And that's what we're going to hear a bunch in this list of 2023. Maybe they don't have the offer yet. So maybe some do, like Demarcus Houston. But the guys that don't, it's building inroads. It's checking boxes. It's getting them on campus. Maybe it's maybe it's playing cornhole or pl- playing, uh, you know, like whatever game you want to play, whether ping pong, whatever the game may be, and kind of testing these kids' competitiveness. Maybe it's getting them on campus and, and seeing how tall they are, how long their arms are, just getting a feel for how big they are and how they're going to grow into their bodies. All of that stuff matters. And all of that is stuff that Oregon State can check boxes on early before deciding if they want to offer them. And, and you get the added bonus of getting to do that in person on your campus. Three-star linebacker Brady Coppets. I really like him. He reached out to me, uh, like, gosh, over a year ago and was like, I think I'm, you know, I think I want to play college football. I was like, I think you can. And at the time, just so young, I had no idea. I, I thought he could at least be, you know, a D2, D3 player. And, and as he's grown and as he's developed and as I've seen more film on him, I really do think he's going to be a scholarship guy, at least at the FCS level. He could pop to group of five or even power five. But again, another player. Player who's in that two to 11 range in Oregon where got to see the junior film, got to see how the body develops, got to see how he performs and how much he works going forward. But Oregon state, as you're hearing on this list, and as I will continue to say, they're checking the boxes early on the local talent. And that's a really good thing. Building relationships and seeing these guys in person. Love to see it. Three-star athlete Ian Duarte. He is the number 42 athlete in the country. He's not the number 42 overall prospect. He's the number 42 athlete. He's an interesting player in part because he's also a very good baseball player. Offers from Arizona, Fresno State, and San Jose State early. He could play a number of places. Again, a two-sport athlete, just going to be a guy that's interesting to watch. And then a not-rated quarterback that actually people should keep an eye on, Evan Tomich out of Lakewood, California. Tomich isn't rated, 
but it's kind of just a matter of seeing his junior film so 24-7 and rivals can rate him because he already has offers from a couple different schools. Uh, Kansas, Liberty, Middle Tennessee State, and Oregon State have already pulled the trigger on him. Evan Tomich, good player, Tomich, good player, dual threat kind of quarterback. Definitely a guy that is an exciting piece potentially to the puzzle for Oregon State. So just because he's not rated doesn't mean you should dismiss him. He's a very talented player, again, with already multiple offers. I've read you some of this list, and there are three-star guys with no offers. So the fact that he's not rated and has four should tell you actually roughly where he lines up. And then really the highest rated player on this list is a 2024 kid. And it's a great story because it's Joey Olsen out of Lake Ridge High School. Joey Olsen was a kid who, as a freshman, just wanted to make varsity. That was his goal at Lake Ridge High School. He wanted to make varsity and play in the TRL. The TRL is the SEC of Oregon high school football. Every year, mark it down, no matter how these teams have kind of shaken out and gone down to 5A or up to 6A or how they've broken things out between you know pulling teams out and putting them in the Mount Hood or putting them back in the Three Rivers League. No matter how it shakes out, every year, three or four of the top seven or eight teams at the 6A level in Oregon come from the TRL. You could easily, easily take any given year, the TRL, Central Catholic, and Jesuit, and you're going to win most of the state titles with those schools. And and people can say, well, of course, Central Catholic and Jesuit win a lot of stuff. In football, the TRL schools do a great job. You know, West Lynn's in there. Lake Oswego's in there. Those are very, very good. Tigard is in the TRL. Tualatin was in the TRL for a long time. I'm not sure they're still in the TRL. I've actually got to look that up. That's that's poor form on my part. Uh, but there are a number of good schools in that league, and, and they compete for state titles every year. Just very, very, very talented uh, conference. And so his goal was just to make varsity. And in the end, not only did he make the varsity team, not only did he become a starter, he was first team all-conference TRL as a freshman. I mean, that was something that just, you see that, and almost sight unseen, you can go, well, he's a super prospect. Because it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in any position, let alone wide receiver. Joey Olsen, one of the fastest kids in the Lake Ridge program, as only a sophomore. He's listed at six foot five, 200 pounds. I love Joey Olsen. Talented kid. I stood next to him. He's not six foot five. He might be six foot three, six foot three and a half, six foot two and a half. Maybe he's grown and he's six foot four. He's not six foot five, but he's blazing fast at his size. And he's a phenomenal player for Oregon, for his class. Nobody is rated higher in their respective class than Joey Olson, who's the number 72 player in the country for the class of 2024. AJ Pugliano is a tight end out of North Medford. He's in the top 100 in the class of 2024. But he's not as high as Joey Olson. Darius Clemens is an All-American, an Under Armour All-American. He's in the top 150 prospects in America, but he's not as high as Joey Olson. Demarcus Houston, phenomenal corner out of West Albany. He's not as high as Joey Olson. Joey Olson is the man, the myth, the legend right now in the state of Oregon. He is visiting Oregon State this weekend. And, and I, I, this is the guy I mentioned when I said, you know, some of the guys they're bringing on campus, they might be wide receivers, they might be tight ends. If Joey Olson's 15, maybe he just turned 16, and he's 6'4, 200 pounds now, even if we give him his listed 6'5, 200 now, He's probably 225, 230 by the time he's a senior. And then you start talking about either a jumbo receiver or a tight end. And Oregon State's done a phenomenal job with those big-bodied receivers and tight ends. So he's going to be an interesting one to watch, certainly. One other commit is visiting Oregon State this weekend from the class of 2022, helping recruit. That'll be Takari Hickel. I've mentioned Takari Hickel, three-star prospect from a tiny, tiny school in Washington. I believe they're 1A. He's the team captain in basketball and football. He's six foot four, 240 pounds. So he's roughly the same size as Brian Burns, whoever he's making a big deal about as a breakout edge rusher in the NFL. His hands are 11 and 1 eighth inch, which officially is bigger than any player on the Oregon State roster. His hands are as big as J.J. Watt's. And for people who don't understand the context there, J.J. Watt has some of the biggest hands in the NFL. DeForest Buckner still has the record, the former duck, then he was a niner, now he's with the Colts. He still has the biggest hands on record in the history of the league. They're just over 11 and a half inches. But Takari Hickel has 11 and an eighth inch wide hands unbelievable that hand length so he's got these huge hands he's almost got a seven foot wingspan at six foot four 
almost a seven foot wingspan at six foot four, 240 pounds with these JJ Watt baseball glove size hands. The athleticism potential here is, is through the roof. It's a great job of scouting because there are a lot of people who went one A school kid, raw edge rusher. Eh. But Oregon State gets him on campus, measures him out, gives him his hand size, does the whole thing and go, man, maybe he doesn't pan out. Maybe he's boomer bust. But if he booms, all the athleticism, all the size in the world that he projects along the same lines as guys who are NFL stars in terms of body, in terms of hand length, in terms of, or of hand size, in terms of arm length, all of the boxes are checked for a guy, team captain in basketball and football. So character guy, he checks all the boxes. You go, well, if we're going to take a flyer on a three-star defensive lineman, why not take the flyer on a dude who's team captain in two sports? He measures out like a first round NFL draft pick or a pro bowler. And all we need to do now is teach that body how to play football a little bit because he is playing one a, he's not really used to playing at a high level, but everything is there to say, give him a couple years, maybe red shirts. Maybe we'll put him in on special teams. See if he can get those big mitts up and block a field goal. And then in, in the meantime, we'll develop him. And hopefully we can develop him some pass rush moves. We can teach him how to get off a block, shed a block, make a tackle. And suddenly we've got something. I really like that addition to Kari Hickel. Lowest rated player in the class when he committed. And yet I actually think because of what it shows about Oregon State's due diligence with recruits, everybody, 1A kids in Washington, who cares? We'll look at everybody. We'll evaluate everybody. We'll measure everybody. It tells you how detail-oriented the staff has become. That's such a massive improvement over Gary Anderson and his crew. You know, they offered a kid one time, they saw one play against a team that was reportedly supposed to be really good in their state. Turned out they weren't as good as everybody thought. And the kid ran for 90 yards on his first highlight on like a toss. He just took it to the house. So they went to see him, took a picture of him in a doorway shirtless and offered him a scholarship. Turned out that kid was not even an all-conference performer in a not very good league. He wasn't a prospect. He wasn't a big time guy that, you know, the hope other than his offer from Oregon State, his, you know, his family's hope was that he would potentially walk on at a big sky school or go to Western Oregon or Eastern Oregon. But because he had broad shoulders and he had a 90 yard run against a good team, he must be a prospect. That's poor evaluation. That's poor gamble. Yes, that's boomer bust. But man, the teeter totter of that leans very heavily to the bus side. Now take Takari Hickel with the hands, with the arm span, with the body. And you go, okay, even if he busts, he's so big, he's so athletic, he's so long, he might be able to help us on special teams. And then if he booms, he's got to frame the athleticism. If, he, if we do a college combine and he booms, he's a guy who could be an NFL draft pick. Those are the kind of boomer bus guys you want to take. That if they bust, they still have the athleticism to hang in a Pac-12 game. And if they boom, and really boom, they have a chance to play in the NFL. That's a good value for boom or bust. And that's what Takari Hickel is, which ties me into Oregon State's recruiting class so far. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll break down Oregon State's recruiting class so far. Where are the strengths? Where are the weaknesses? And where else are they looking? 12 commitments. Probably going to take 15, 16, 17. Only a few spots left. Where will they be targeting? We'll talk about it next. Hey, welcome back to the recruiting trail. I mentioned Oregon State has 12 commitments in the class of 2022. A lot of times teams take 25. Not in modern college football if you're Jonathan Smith. Not going to do that. Not going to take 25 high school kids a year. Why? Because they've had a lot of success getting six, seven, eight guys from the transfer portal. And not just any guys. Tyjon Lindsay, former All-American. Tristan Jebbia, former four-star prospect. Avery Roberts, former All-American. Addison Gums, Oklahoma Sooner defensive lineman. Potential starter as a freshman or sophomore before he got hurt. They've had success bringing these guys in from the transfer portal. Makai Tung, four-star prospect who went to Georgia. Talented players. Sam Neuer transfers. Immediate starter. Now, he struggled in week one. But if you can pull somebody off the transfer portal, take them out of the transfer portal, and they compete for your starting quarterback job, the most important position on your team from day one, that's a valuable piece. So Oregon State consistently going to take these smaller classes and then really hit the transfer portal. 
You're going to see former All-Americans. You're going to see guys who run 4-4 and are six foot three. They're probably not going to be their top recruits. They're probably going to be transfer portal guys. And as they win more games, the high school kids they get will get a little better. The transfer portal kids they get will not only be better, but there'll be fewer of them because they won't have to patch holes on the depth chart as frequently. And that's the recipe for Oregon State. It's going to take work. It's going to take massaging. It's not going to be, we signed 24 players. We signed 12 four-star guys. It's not going to be it. It's going to be, we signed 16. We left seven spots available. We got this former four-star. We got this former All-American. We got this former four-star. And it might trickle in in January, February, after spring practice, when guys see the depth chart and see the writing on the wall and go, I'm not starting. We might see guys transfer in the summer, like a Sam Neuer. It's not going to be the traditional, here's our signing day class. Boom, we're done. Woo, figured it out. Sweet. Look at this, top 25 recruiting class, done. Let's wash our hands of it. It's not going to work like that. It's going to be nuanced. It's going to be minor improvements year in, year out in recruiting. Let's sign a top 50 class. Let's sign three or four guys who are in the top 400 prospects in America. Let's have a higher percentage of our recruits. Instead of just like 25% of our recruits having Power 5 conference offers other than us, let's make that number 80. Next year, 90. Okay, 100%. Next year, 100% of the high school kids we sign, we're going to have to battle other Power 5 conference programs for. If we sign 16 guys, they better all have Power 5 conference offers. All 16 of them, other than us. And then let's go get five or six guys at key places we need them. We need a defensive tackle. Let's go get Keontae Shad out of Minnesota. If he's healthy, maybe he starts from day one. Let's go get Sam Neuer. We need another quarterback to battle in this quarterback for this quarterback starting job. Let's bring in Sam Neuer. He's going to battle Tristan Jebbia, who he took from Nebraska. Scott Frost was pissed about it. Maybe there's a reason why. That's how this is going to go for Oregon State. So it's not going to be real smooth. You're not going to be able to check signing day and go, boom. Okay, 47th. Now I know what the expectation is. Again, going to be nuanced. But this recruiting class is improvement. And I don't even think there's any doubt. And I keep, I keep tooting that horn. I keep, I keep saying that over and over and over that, you know, when they sign these smaller classes, last year they signed 11 prospects total by signing day. Most schools signed 20, 24. Their class was like half the size of everybody else's. So when they finished outside the top 100, everybody was like, oh, this class sucks. Well, no, it didn't. There was really talented pieces. In fact, the average player was better than they've signed the last few years. They just didn't sign a ton of guys so they could go out and get a Sam Neuer, a Makai Tung, a Keontae Shad. That's how they did it. Look at, you know, Avery Roberts, impactful player. Deshaun Fenwick, transfer from South Carolina. It's all over the board. Sam Neuer, Tristan Jebbia, Tyjon Lindsay, all over the board. You've got these transfer portal guys. Impactful transfer portal guys. That's how they're doing it. But this class is good. And it starts with, I always think it starts with quarterback. Maybe I'm wrong. I think that's where it starts. And, you know, I had Greg Biggins on the show. I interviewed Greg Biggins when Travis Throckmorton, the three-star California quarterback committed. And he said, He's probably their most naturally physically gifted player at quarterback they've signed in the last few years. Win. He creates off-platform really well. Modern quarterback. Kind of think, not the biggest arm, but a good arm. Kind of think a poor man Zach Wilson. Now, I don't know if he's going to end up being a high NFL draft pick. That's not the comp I'm putting on him. But Travis Throckmorton, like Zach Wilson, not the biggest guy, right? Good arm, sees things well but not just this absolute cannon. If Zach Wilson throws a deep out, there's a little loft to it. He can throw the ball 60 yards, but when it comes to a deep out, he has to loop it a little bit. Throckmorton's going to be that kind of guy. But when things break down, he doesn't look to run right away. He just is able to manipulate the pocket, create space, and find a guy. If you've liked any of the high school quarterbacks, any of the JC quarterbacks they've landed in the last few years, just think, okay, Greg Biggins, who knows quarterbacks, think this guy's better than any of the other ones. It's a good sign. Throckmorton's a good player. High three-star guy, potential to add a four-star depending on how this year goes for him, but a really talented player at running back. Damian Martinez, oh boy. If you're an Oregon State fan, you already were excited because he ran for something like 30 touchdowns and he ran for over 2,000 yards as a junior in the state of Texas. He's a 2,000-yard rusher in Texas. That's end of discussion. You're excited about it. But he's already putting up monster numbers in his senior season. Four touchdowns, five touchdowns, excuse me, five touchdowns. Five touchdowns in the first half. 
of a game last week. So I hit him up I'm like, hey man, congratulations, huge game, unbelievable, that's ridiculous, what the heck? I mean, uh, you know, what's your record and a half? You know, have you ever done this before? And he was like, yeah, <laughs> I had five touchdowns and a half four times last year. Oh, okay, so routine. Yep, routine. Anytime a guy's a 2,000-yard rusher and he scores five touchdowns, you're like, hey, man, five touchdowns and a half. Holy cow. And he's like, eh, I've done it a bunch of times. <laughs> That's a pretty good football player. Oregon State believes they found a gem. They targeted that kid early. When he committed, he said they were fired up, that they felt like he was a hidden gem. And I believe him. I really believe the staff told him, we think we've got a sleeper with you. Three-star player, don't care. Highly productive, 2,000-yard rusher, 30 touchdowns as a junior, going to run for 2,000 yards and 30 touchdowns as a senior. He was so good, they pulled him at halftime. He ran for 265 yards and five touchdowns and a half in Texas football. Damian Martinez, great addition for the Beavers. You really like to see it. No wide receivers, but you look at it. That's the one area where Oregon State has just hammered the transfer portal. They've just hammered the transfer portal with those guys. So you don't necessarily think they need wide receiver. They had Cole Prussia, Prusha out of Tualatin High School. was the Gatorade player of the year as a junior. He decommits. And I said at the time, he's a high academic kid. I could see him just going Ivy League. That that's not the most important thing. Football's not the most important thing in his life. And sure enough, he committed to Princeton. I don't know that that, that kills you. He's a talented player, but you're so deep at wide receiver. They probably have nine guys who are pretty good athletes at receiver. I don't think that kills you. Tight end Jack Velling visiting this weekend. Already mentioned, three-star tight end. Not in the top 40 tight ends in the country. Not in the top 30 tight ends in the country. But had offers from Arizona State and Michigan. So the college football programs disagree. They think he's better than that. I think he's better than that too. And I think he's just the latest Brian Wozniak steal that two, three years from now we'll be talking about being a potential all-conference guy who's on the Mackey Award watch list. I'm not saying a finalist. I'm not saying a semifinalist. The watch list. In preseason, we already saw that with Tegan Quatoriano. We probably should have seen that with Luke Musgrave. And uh, I think probably in the future, we'll see that with Jake Overman and Jack Velling because that's just what Brian Wozniak does at that tight end position. Quarterback, running back, tight end, I think they're full. I don't think they're going to add another running back. They're happy with Damian Martinez. They've already got Deshaun Fenwick. They've already got BJ Baylor. They've got Trey Lowe. I know some of those guys are going to move on, but you know they're full. Teron Madison just hit the transfer portal. Why? Well, the writing was on the wall. They've got a lot of carries right now. A lot of guys who can carry the, carry the load. I don't think they need two running backs in this class. Travis, Travis Throckmorton is your quarterback. You've got Chance Nolan who's popping and starting to look like a pretty good player. He's younger. He's got more years left. So I don't necessarily think you need another quarterback. Wide receiver, they don't have any, but they're pretty loaded. If they find a playmaker they love, they fall in love with a receiver somewhere they think's a steal, they'll go ahead and take him. But they've got Zariah Beeson. They've got a number of transfers who are really talented younger players. So it's not a need. O-line, very good group. Oregon State always can want to add offensive linemen. I've said for years, this has been their weakest area. And you go, well, it doesn't look like it on the field. Well, I'm talking about traditional high school recruiting. High school and junior college recruiting, Oregon State has struggled to land offensive linemen. Brandon Kipper helped. Nathan Eldridge helped. Both transfers. Both transfer portal guys from Hawaii and Arizona, respectively. And yes, they have helped tremendously. Those might be two of their best linemen. Josh Gray was an outlier. When he committed, he's one of those guys that went, yeah, that's a good football player. That's a great get. He's not highly rated, but he's a great get. That's another one who's a good player. Who You go, that's not traditionally who they've gotten. Those three either stand out because they were their best recruit. Josh, Joshua Gray, I think, was their best O-line recruit of the last five or six years when he committed. Ding, ding, ding. And then two transfers. Other than that, it's been a little bit of a crapshoot in recruiting. And it might be kind of a little bit of a crapshoot on the football field. We'll see. Offensive line week one, inconsistent. But this recruiting class, they've started to fix some of that O-line stuff. The lowest rated guy is Jacob Strand out of Canby High School. And when he committed, I was like, I like him. It's early. I'm not sure I'm in love with him. So I've always kind of kept tabs on a guy like that. Because let's be honest, I can be wrong. I've been wrong before. Don't tell anybody, but I'm going to be wrong again. So I always check on Jacob Strand. What's the deal with him? And I check in with people. What do people think? And somebody goes, I, listen, a scout evaluator said, listen, O-line film, fine. He's a good player. Watch his defensive film. Like Defensive film, he's going to be an offensive lineman. What does it matter? Watch his tenacity. 
watch his athleticism. You can see it a little bit better on his defensive film. You can see what he could be right now as an offensive player a little better by watching his defensive film. So, okay, I'll check it out. And sure enough, he looks more fluid. He moves well. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Another scout said, that's a steal. That kid's a steal. I was like, man, I, you know, I don't, I'm not in love with the film. Same thing. Watch the defensive film. Like, man, he's going to play offense. Watch the defensive film. Sometimes this stuff's nuanced. But Jacob Strand, a lot of people think he's a very talented player. Luka Vincic, Dylan Lopez, two really talented players. They both visited Oregon State on the same weekend and Cal the next weekend. They didn't visit together per se, but they did develop a bond. And it did seem like once Dylan Lopez committed that Luka Vincic was on the watch list for a uh, possible pledge. Dylan Lopez at the time of his commitment was ESPN's number two center in the country. He slipped to just number three, but still very, very good. A number of offers. Luka Vincic, a three-star player who projects highly. I like him. I think he's probably more of a right tackle, but I think he could be a very good right tackle in a few years. I love the frame. I love the athleticism. I love the size. I love what you could build him into. Both those guys are great gets, in part because you went head-to-head with Cal for him, and you won. We haven't seen a ton of that in the last few years, particularly at offensive linemen. When we've seen head-to-head battles for Oregon State, at offensive line, it's been Oregon, you know, Oregon State beats out UNLV. Oregon State beats out Nevada. Oregon State beats out Montana. Oregon State literally one time beat out a few years ago, Gary Anderson era, beat out Incarnate Word for an offensive lineman. Now you're going head to head with Cal. Cal gets the last visit. You beat him anyway. Great to see. Dylan Lopez, potentially, I know people, you know, in terms of evaluation, uh, people don't necessarily think the center position is the most important, but anybody who's been around football will tell you a center who can call out what needs to happen up front with the schemes, the blocking schemes, how to make adjustments, where the blitz is coming from. Anybody who can get those calls out and take some of that pressure off a quarterback is highly valuable. Dylan Lopez has a chance to be that guy. Really like him. Oregon State could add a fourth offensive lineman because you can always add offensive linemen, but it's not a desperate need. It's just an area, if one pops, they'll go after him. D-line, love this group. Takari Hickel, I mentioned before, I'm not going to go over him a ton again. Love the athleticism. He's from a small school, but I love the frame. I love the athleticism. I love his length. It'll just be interesting to see. He's a boomer bust guy, but he's the kind of boomer bust guy you want to invest in. Quincy Wright, Duncanville, Texas High School. They needed a defensive tackle. Keontae Shad out of Minnesota was such a valuable transfer because they desperately need defensive tackles in the last few years. That's how they found him. That's the only way they found him. Quincy Wright's six foot two, 300 pounds, 290 pounds, maybe. But he's a developmental nose tackle, defensive tackle. That is what you want to have if you're Oregon State because you need it. Really nice to see them go and get a guy like that. And then Matthias Malachi Donaldson. Oregon State, if you remember, had all those June official visits. Every weekend, big June official visits. Big June official visits. Every weekend, every weekend, every weekend. And they landed a bunch of those three-star guys. And they landed a bunch of talented guys. Guys like Dylan Lopez. No shots fired here. But there were kind of three names that were that were needle movers, real guys that weren't already committed. Melvin Jordan visited. He was a four-star linebacker out of Florida. He was already committed when he visited. But there were three guys that were really like, whoa, if they get one of those guys or two of those three, that would be huge. Ryan Otten, who picked Washington. Sterling Lane, who picked, I believe, Arizona now. <laughs> I, I lost track of his commitment, I, I recruitment. I'm 90% sure it's Arizona. Might have been Colorado. And then Malachi Matthias, Matthias Malachi Donaldson. He was the third name. And they missed out on the other two. And you kind of thought they would. Those were big swings. Those are guys who are really, really talented. A bunch of Pac-12 offers, a bunch of Power 5 conference offers. You want to be in that fight. You want to hope, but you're not necessarily sure you're going to get those guys. Matthias Malachi Donaldson is a higher rated edge rusher, which is an area of need. They've recruited inside linebacker really well. We'll talk about it next. They've recruited the inside linebacker position great. Avery Roberts, Omar Spates, both talented players. They need to bend the edge. Matthias Malachi Donaldson commits. He's a higher rated pledge than guys from Georgia, Tennessee, UCLA, a bunch of programs across the country, Virginia Tech. 
He's a talented, talented piece. He's only a three-star guy, but he's right on the bubble of four-star status. Love that get for them. It's a massive get for them. Out of California. By the way, the last real good edge rusher to come out of his high school came on Thibodeau. So maybe there's some hope. Not as highly rated. Really talented body. Really like him. Really talented player. At linebacker, Melvin Jordan, I've talked about this, number six inside linebacker in the country on rivals when he committed. He had offers from Florida, Florida State, and Miami, Florida, the big three out of Florida, chose Oregon State anyway. Wanted to get out of town, wanted to get out of the state of Florida, loved the atmosphere at Oregon State, and loved what they do schematically. What happened last year in their scheme? Oregon State finished 1-2 in tackles with their inside linebackers, Avery Roberts and Omar Spates. Melvin Jordan sees that and he's looking his chops. I'm going to put up some numbers in Corvallis. I'm going to put up tackle numbers. I'm going to be able to get after the quarterback, maybe some tackles for loss. I can drop back into coverage. I can show my versatility. I can potentially play on Sundays and no hometown distraction. I'm on the other coast. Great job by Oregon State selling what they were and finding a guy who that appealed to and going and getting him. Melvin Jordan, good player. Cord Shaw. He's the Swiss army knife of his, of his high school. Kick returner, receiver, sometimes quarterback, running back, linebacker. He can play a little safety. He'll play all over. He's an inside backer at Oregon State, not rated, uh, the lowest rated prospect on in the class. And yet Oregon State just fell in love with him and offered him, took a gamble on him and said he, all these things that he can do, or at least they told him, they showed him in a video. They showed him video of him doing something at running back and saying, see how you see the hole and you cut back as a linebacker. You're going to do the same thing, except you're going to fill that hole. Do you see how you run this route as a receiver? We want you to shadow that route on a tight end as an inside linebacker. So they showed him his highlights and said, all these things that you're doing, you can do all those things on defense for us at one position, inside linebacker, and we'll let you focus on it. You'll have a couple of years to develop and you'll be really good at it. So he's taking a gamble on himself, on his skill set, Oregon State taking a gamble on him, and they see in his film... Again, they showed him play after play after play. Cord Shaw said, they just showed me over and over and over. It's like, you do everything we need our linebacker to do. We want you. He's not the highest rated kid, but they believe. It'll be interesting to see how that works out. And then at DB, uh, I do think Oregon State could add another D lineman. I do think they could potentially add another linebacker. And they definitely will add at least one, maybe two DBs. They got Carlos Mack. I asked two scouts. Again, you know, I mentioned they like Jacob Strand. Uh, the scouts did or the evaluators that I talked to, but simple question. Who's the most underrated player in Oregon state's class? Both of them, Carlos Mack. Well, the first one said Carlos Mack. The second one said just it's Mack Mack. So there you go. Potential safety. He's risen up the rankings from when I asked, I asked at the beginning of the summer, he was a low three-star. He's now a mid to high three-star on 24 seven sports. So he's gone up the rankings on 24 seven sports that matches the evaluation. I've heard if he has a big senior year, he could rise even higher. Carlos Mack, great identifying of a skill set of a talented player and going out and getting them. Cause as of right now, if he were uncommitted, he'd have a lot more interest. Good job by Oregon state there. So Potentially a wide receiver. You don't have any, but you are deep there. So it's kind of not a necessity. Potentially an O-lineman because everybody in college football needs O-lineman. Another defensive lineman because Oregon State and Oregon both seem to always need defensive linemen. That's one of the areas on the West Coast that's really hard to recruit. Pac-12 programs always seem to need D-linemen. I expect that to be an area where they could add another body. Linebacker potentially if the right guy pops, but... Matthias Malachi Donaldson's an edge rusher. You've got two inside linebackers on Melvin Jordan and Cord Shaw, and you've already got two good linebackers in Avery Roberts and Omar Spates. Omar Spates is real young still. So you're potentially set at linebacker for the next few years. Again, if one pops, sure. Otherwise, no real need. And then DB. Oregon State's going to need a DB or two. That's what the class looks like so far. That's an idea of who is visiting. I told you, we'd go very heavy on Beavers and we'd go very, very, very heavy on Oregon high school products. Sure enough, here we are. One thing to tie this all together, whether you're a Duck, a Beaver, or an Oregon high school football fan, they don't always get it right. The evaluators, the scouts, they don't. Sometimes they miss. Sometimes there's a Marcus Mariota, a Justin Herbert, a Jaquiz Rogers who pops and you go, well, he was a two-star. He was a three-star. I think in Jaquiz Rogers' case, he ended up being a four-star. Same with Marcus Mariota. By the end, they were four-stars. But anyway, lower-rated kids. But overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, we see you are like 
something like 15 to 20 times more likely to be an all-conference player as a five-star recruit than a four-star recruit. And then another 15 to 20 times more likely to be a, to be a all-conference player as a three-star recruit than you are a four-star or uh, as a four-star recruit than a three-star recruit. We're seeing this time and time again in the Oregon game. The biggest plays came on Thibodeau, huge sack, forced fumble. Noah Sewell, forced fumble. Justin Flo, 14 tackles, forced fumble. Five-star, five-star, five-star. Oregon's best corner, Mikhail Wright, number one corner in the nation, according to ESPN. Their best receiver, Micah Pittman, an All-American. We're seeing it across the board. You look at Oregon State, Avery Roberts, big-time hitter, former All-American. Omar Spates, in a weird recruitment, he was a four-star prospect when he was over in Pennsylvania, transferred and played his last season at Crescent Valley in Oregon, committed to Oregon State, dropped down to a three-star, but a top two tackler in the Pac-12. Chance Nolan comes in for Sam Neuer. Sam Neuer, a three-star, talented player, good player. I really like Sam. I really like that family. The Neuers are great people, but he struggled in week one. Chance Nolan comes in as the number one junior college quarterback in the country and immediately starts to light things up and make things happen. Doesn't work every time. But generally speaking, if you recruit higher level, level, uh, higher rated players, higher level players, you get higher level results. We saw it in week one. Another stat for you, courtesy of College Football Matrix. Across the Power Five matchups, only Power Fives playing another Power Five in week one. Only one school, UCLA beat another Power 5 school, LSU, who had better recruiting results. If you go down the list, in every Power 5 on Power 5 matchup in all of college football in week one, the team that has had over the last five years the higher rated recruiting results across their current roster, that school beat the lower rated recruiting school every time but one. Recruiting matters. I'll leave you with that. Thank you for listening to the recruiting trail. We'll be back next week breaking down the visitors and what's the latest for the Oregon Ducks, Oregon State Beavers, and Oregon High School Football. Thank you for listening.